Oh, hey, everybody. Good morning. Good afternoon. But it's still good morning for me and Drea. And welcome to Rebel News Daily. This is our daily live stream wherein we talk about the news of the day completely unscripted. And sometimes we lose track of time, but we'll do our best to stay on the agenda today. Drea, how's it going? This is my co-host, Drea Humphrey, by the way. She's based in Vancouver. I should have properly introduced her. Drea, how's it going? Hi, Sheila. Hi, everybody. It's going good so far. Another day, another news story. This time we have lots to discuss, so that's good. Lots of Trudeau. <laughs> lots of Trudeau. Things are not going well for him at his cabinet retreat, and I'm here for it. I'm enjoying all of it. Um, I, I just, I love when the little people speak truth to power and the mainstream media clutches their pearls and Justin Trudeau pretends like he didn't hear any of it because yeah. he's uh, so important that, um, you know, like they, I think he thinks they must be making fun of somebody else. Like, I, I don't know. Um, I think he's just focused on the cameras that work for him. So right. if he reacts to these people, he doesn't look as, you know, good for those cameras. So they'll just mute the sound. He knows that. So he just acts like it's not happening. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that so that people understand what we're talking about. But it is fascinating to see how little of the abuse, abuse hurled, uh, Justin Trudeau actually makes it to the mainstream media, as though the most powerful guy in the country can be abused by people saying, you suck, Trudeau, like, <laughs> give me a break, right? But anyways, this is the Rebel Daily live stream. We are streaming on YouTube. Um, but YouTube is a censorship platform. We're kind of just there a little bit for spite, but also because there's 1.6 million sets of eyeballs over on YouTube. And we don't want to abandon you um, no matter how much YouTube wants us to abandon the platform. But we're also streaming on Rumble, Odyssey, Getter, and Twitter. And on Rumble and Odyssey, you can support the work that we do completely willingly here at Rebel News by leaving a paid chat, which we will do our best to read at the end of the show. On Rumble, it's called a Rumble Rant. On Odyssey, it's called a hyper chat, and it's a great way for you to get involved in the show. Throw a little support behind your favorite journalists um, because you're going to get, I think, opinions and views that you are not going to see in the colonized, Trudeau-loving mainstream media. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, let's go to the first clip of the day, and it's from Hamilton. Now, right now, the liberals are hosting a cabinet retreat in... Um, picturesque Hamilton like I, I just I'm not sure why they went to Hamilton usually they do these things in like someplace in Muskoka or like in BC or like yeah. kind of off the grid so that you don't get what's happening in Hamilton right now and I'm not sure why they chose Hamilton um, because it's pretty accessible like if you don't yeah. like Trudeau it's it you can get it's on a bus route you can get there right mm -hmm. um so I don't know if they wanted to paint him as a big mean victim before he comes out with his latest censorship piece of legislation, like saying like, look, this is the abuse we're getting. So we need to crack down on these citizens. Or if he truly didn't realize that this was going to happen to him. I, I, I don't know the strategy here. I'm inclined to err on the fact that he's stupid, but he's also kind of sinister. So I don't know. I don't know who's putting it all together. Even when he comes out here to Surrey, other than the last time, uh, you know, there's only one way in. And so one time, because of the protesters, he didn't even go to his fancy smancy liberal fundraiser where people paid $1,000 to come in because they picked a venue that literally only had one spot. So uh, I don't know. How hard is it to hire good event planners? <laughs> or maybe they sabotage them. I don't know. You never know. 
are the event planners conservative? That's also right. a conspiracy theory floating around yeah. in my mind. Uh, let's go to the first clip. It's from Harrison Faulkner um, on Twitter, if you wouldn't mind, and just see what the warm reception Trudeau's getting in uh, Chile Hamilton. That looks like a couple of hundred people. police are thinking uh i have no idea i'm actually quite surprised that he even went in the venue because we've seen like in calgary sometimes where this sort of stuff breaks out in calgary which like makes more sense than it breaks out in calgary but we've seen him just sort of find another way to get into the venue way later rather than run the gauntlet of angry Canadians, which may or may not end up in a viral social media clip, as is the case here. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there were people on the other side. I've seen that happen here in Vancouver, where they go to like all angles of the door and they're just ready. But that looks like a couple of hundred people. And what might not be obvious to people watching this is that these types of Trudeau protests are organic and and sudden like people just find out about them usually that day maybe the night before and they come out and sometimes they're coming out during work hours and things like that it's just organically popping up and that seemed like quite a few people there um so yeah I, I don't know like what kind of person you have to be just to think that this is like just completely normal it's every day on the job if that's what he really thinks that's what he acts like anyways Um, yeah it's uh and the reason these protests have been so organic is because the liberals have been hiding the locations of their fundraisers like normally this stuff breaks out at a mm -hmm. fundraiser because they don't really have these like off-site cabinet meetings they usually have them on parliament hill and normals can't get on to where these things happen at parliament hill um even unaccredited unapproved journalists like we don't need permission from our enemies to do our jobs but the press gallery in ottawa controls who has access to the hill for journalistic missions which is why if people have seen young william uh he can only ask questions out on the street and not as Mm -hmm. they're coming and going on Parliament Hill. But the Liberals just recently got in a big heap of trouble from the elections commissioner, um, the federal elections commissioner, because it is illegal to hide the locations of your fundraisers from the general public. Mm -hmm. And it is illegal to hide who will be appearing at the fundraiser. Now, sometimes they'll say, and special guests, but they have to say, like, if the prime minister is coming or if a cabinet minister is coming or whomever the fundraiser's for, it's an elections finance law that you have to say where it is and who's wow. coming. And they've been hiding that until there was a ruling maybe two, three weeks ago by the elections commissioner saying, you guys can't hide this stuff anymore. That's illegal. And really, we know why you're doing it because you don't want this stuff to happen. Yeah. And so a lot of the times when people are finding out about the fundraiser, 
it was somebody who signed up to go to the fundraiser or mm-hmm. who, you know, who like was a plant to go to the fundraiser. So you get information <laughs> on it or in some instances, I believe it was leaked by people in the venue who were yeah, like, we're not, so. <laughs> we're not sure we want these people here or, you know, we're happy to take their business, but we also believe in people being allowed to uh, speak truth to power as is the case there. So um, we're going to see more of this and it's going to be more organized and quite a bit louder because the liberals can't play fast and loose with the rules anymore. And if we are headed into election season, I'm not sure if we are or not. It's always sort of electioneering season if you're Justin Trudeau. Um, I think it's only going to get worse for the liberals. They can't they can't do the things they were doing before to hide this stuff. Yeah, and they're trying to adapt to it instead of just being the type of leadership that acknowledges the people and their concerns. You know what I mean? You could probably diffuse it by addressing so many Canadians who have these certain specific issues that they're just trying to make clear. They're just trying to be heard, just like every other Canadian who has a concern here. So, yeah. Um, Let's go to this second clip. It's Trudeau responding to protesters who had been heckling him. Um, in, so this is him responding to being asked about, Hey, uh, there's like 500 people showing up to heckle you on the street. Maybe you aren't as beloved as you think you are. Somebody actually had the audacity to ask him about it. I think it was a mainstream media journalist. So uh, there's a couple good ones out there. Maybe, um, maybe they don't like their job. They're trying to get fired. So they asked the prime minister a tough question. Um, so let's see this. Prime Minister, there's video that has emerged of you last night leaving a restaurant here in Hamilton, a crowd of protesters um, surrounding you, obviously very angry at you and your government. I wonder whether you felt that was a secure uh, situation for you and why? Uh, first of all, let me, let me say that uh, the welcome that I've gotten here in Hamilton has been extraordinary. Uh, the people I've met, <laughs> yeah, that's one uh, way of putting the students it. <laughs> here, the uh, folks and teams uh, that I met in various places uh, during our couple of days here uh, have been uh, thoughtful and open and warm. And a handful of angry people do not define uh, what Hamilton is or what democracy in this country is. I'm pretty sure the handful is clapping it's behind really, you. <laughs> really important in our democracy that people can express their disagreement or displeasure or even anger uh, with uh, various governments. That's really important. Uh, and at the same time, our uh, police services and institutions will ensure uh, that those, uh, those protests remain uh, peaceful and law-abiding. That's something that really matters and will always uh, ensure that people are free to express their perspective, uh, but make sure that uh, everyone understands that uh, a handful of people don't represent Hamilton. He has learned nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing from calling people a small fringe minority. He's doing the same thing, switching the words, downplaying the concerns, and it only makes people more and more upset with him. And the arrogance that just oozes out of this man, like, it's just so bad. This is the weekend of the start of the convoy, mm-hmm. right? Like, is. He like the gaslighting here, and I I'm getting sick of that word, but it has been yeah. the word of the last three years, right? Yeah, definitely. That Mister Emergencies Act, invoking it on peaceful pesky protesters in the nation's capital, 
is standing there saying that we believe in the rights of people to express themselves, even mm -hmm. angrily to politicians. No, you don't. No. You used a, a counterterrorism law <laughs> on bouncy castles. You yeah. lunatic. The whole world looked upon Canada with horror and it spawned uh, counter demonstrations all across the world. Everybody was looking. And I think that was really like, Justin Trudeau, I think over the last few years, switched from, oh, isn't he just progressive and cool to, I think this guy's a bit of a buffoon to this is a very pretty Mussolini. And that's, I think the, the progression that the rest of the world on the outside looking in started to take with Justin Trudeau. And instead of just saying, you know, like, okay, well, you know, people in Canada have a right to be angry with their politicians and uh, that's fine. He leans right in and, and makes it as though he's some sort of defender of mm -hmm. democracy. And I regret giving that journalist uh, credit before um, because uh, <laughs> her question was not good. Her question was actually bad because she turned Justin Trudeau into the victim. It wasn't like, hey, what do you think is sparking all this anger with you everywhere you go? <laughs> like that would have been like a good question because it would make like I know the answer yeah. to that. A, a good journalist already knows the answer to that. But you're making the politician be introspective and think like, OK, well, why do you think they're angry with you? Do you do you even think that you've done anything wrong? Like it would have put him on the spot and made him mm -hmm. think, which is. Uh, might have caused a fire in Justin Trudeau's brain. Like we went and seen smoke coming out of the gears um, if he actually tried to do some thinking. But or she turned it into, hey, you're the victim. Like, do you think it was dangerous for well, you? Like you said, she probably would have got fired if she does I it know. otherwise. Maybe that's okay. all she could do to get us Fair. the answers that we see sometimes. But yeah, no, it, it, it's as if he's inviting people, you know what, bring it on, come protest. And, you know, the left has this amazing capability of taking words and using them, but actually doing and meaning the complete opposite. And I think that it people just see that at face value. Some of the people, they go, okay, he said the word democracy, so he stands for democracy. And some people are just too lazy to think critically or to push past that. So it's as if he's speaking to the percentage that will clap behind him and things like that. But, you know, he sees hundreds of people as he's coming in and still says a handful. This is a handful on the street outside of the building. And it right. looked like hundreds to me. How can you do that? Like, he's just bold faced lying. And, uh, oh, let me start by saying my greeting was extraordinary. I suppose that's not a lie. It really was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh. one way of putting it. Um, yeah, it's he does speak to a group of people who only hear what he says, mm -hmm. but never actually look at what he does. Because mm -hmm. he says a lot of like fancy things about democracy and protecting democracy and the rights of people to demonstrate. But and what guess, he does oh, is far different. Right. And he he knows, like I said earlier, he knows he can get away with this because the media, it's his media. So he knows he can say these things and then it's going to be spin that way. Most news are not even going to sh show all those people out there. So why yeah. would you not answer those questions that way? It's all I mean, a facade. And once again, thank God for independent journalists mm -hmm. and the power of the cell phone. That's why they want to censor the internet. Yeah, this right here, exactly. this is exactly why they want to do it. This is why mm -hmm. they want to censor social media is because it is the uh, great equalizer. Yeah. Um, 
because I think it was it was Andrew Breitbart who said the media is the wall that people have to climb over to see the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the internet has been the ladder. The cell phone has been yeah. the ladder for people to climb that wall. And so we're seeing the censorship laws of uh, C-11 and and other laws to regulate the media and sort of downlist people like us and push up people like Rosie Barton. Uh, that's <laughs> the government's reflex to that. Yeah. Exactly. You know how powerful it is. And history, you know, you've always, the media has always been used to bring apart false narratives to the people. So yeah, why not use the same strategies that have worked before? I've been reading a lot of Mussolini's writings lately. Yes. You mentioned (laughs) it a couple of times. I have been because I'm just so fascinated with how relevant it is uh, to these times. It's creepy. And now and he yeah. used force. You don't have to even use force anymore. You just, it's like social credit. It's f- fascinating. You've been keeping up with politics longer than me. I started later on in adulthood. <laughs> I started adulting <laughs> a little bit late. But has there ever been so much venom towards a Canadian politician before? Is this the first time that you were aware of? Well, there was a lot of venom towards Stephen Harper, for mm-hmm. sure. But I don't think it was this... Uh, amorphous. So the venom directed towards Stephen Harper was, you want to talk small fringe minority, the fringiest of fringe minorities, but they were really loud. They were really radical and they had the media on their side who hated Stephen Harper because he's, he didn't like the CBC. And Mm -hmm. so um, they, there was a lot of visceral hate for Stephen Harper. But if you asked people like, why do you dislike him? They couldn't really tell you why, mostly because the CBC said mostly because they they thought he was in the pocket of the Koch brothers, corporate interests from the United States. Like it was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like, you know, that guy, that meme where the guy has has like all the pins on the board and he's like pointing them out. That was what it was like talking to a leftist (laughs) back in the day. Um, So they still can't answer why they're mad about things, though. No, no. And it's funny because if you talk to someone on the right and you're like inflation, out of control, government spending, infringement on rights, control of the internet, gun rights, property rights, like you just carbon taxes, like you can list every reason you're mad at Justin Trudeau. But you say to the left, why do you dislike Pierre Polyev? And they really don't. They don't know. They just know that the TV told them. Um, So I have seen this sort of visceral hate, but not in the size and scope. And I think a lot of those people in the crowd, as we saw at the COVID protests, they are sometimes traditional left-wing voters. Mm-hmm. They're the um, yeah. granola people, uh, mm-hmm. the crystals cure cancer people, and uh, not to mock them, but people who say, I, I want alternative health right. viewpoints to be allowed because my body, my choice. My body, my choice, yeah. There are a lot of disaffected unionist people out there who said, I didn't want to take this vaccine for any number of reasons, personal choice being just one of them, but maybe mm-hmm. they have health reasons. Maybe they just don't, maybe they're like me, they just don't like being told what to do. Um, they just but, wanted to wait a bit, wait it out a little bit longer. And I think that's where the majority of people are, yeah. were by the way, and they were right. Um, but there are a mm-hmm. lot of people who are like, they were died in the world leftist unionists who are like, my union did nothing to help me when I lost my job. And the only people fighting for me were those crazy conservatives. And so a lot of the people out there, it is like this loose patchwork quilt 
of people from all different backgrounds and they come at this one issue or two issues or three issues um, from different directions, Mm -hmm. but they are all united in their hate of Justin Trudeau. Including people who never cared to pay attention to politics at all. Yeah, because politics, politics, politics all of a sudden will pay attention to you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it will find you. Um, okay, let's go to an ad break and then let's go to uh, gender nonsense. Have you checked out the fresh new swag we have at rebelnewsstore.com? Like this nifty resistance trucker sweater? We have warm, cozy sweaters, t shirts, mugs, hats, phone cases, you name it. Everything to fit your freedom loving needs or maybe even trigger a liberal family member or friend. And for a limited time, you can use code TAMARA10 at checkout to save 10% off of your total order. So head on over to rebelnewsstore.com, check out all of our new designs, make some purchases, and use code TAMARA, that's T-A-M-A-R-A, 10 at checkout for 10% off your order. Head on over, check it out. If you want to look good and shine like me, you can do so at our store. Go to ribbonnewstore.com. On this website, you have so much different style to wear as this one, my favorite one, Justin Castro. With my code Alexa10, you will have 10% off on your next purchase. So don't hesitate, go now and look so good like me. Looks so good like Alexa. I know, <laughs> I know. I love that ad too. Uh, let's go to this uh, madness. So this oh. trans woman guilty of two rapes could Ugh. be sent to a women's prison where women are there confined with a rapist. And uh, a lot... It, I think a lot of women end up in the justice system and behind bars because of trauma that leads them into a life of crime. And a lot of that is sadly frequently sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And so these women are there to sort of get their lives back on track. Uh, look, I'm I'm a firm believer in prison as punishment, but also yeah. um, I also believe that it's also can be a place of redemption. And if there are women there working to redeem themselves from uh, to get their lives back on track and the, the bad life that they live stems from mm-hmm. trauma, sexual trauma. You just stuffed them in with a sexual abuser. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing. It's they're there, like you said, to rehabilitate. And here they are, they have this person who it's not even just a male bodied individual who identifies as a woman. It is a rapist, someone yeah. who raped women. Like this is just the fact that this is even considered in society is so alarming to me. And then what's even more bizarre is that the people pointing out, you know, just how wrong this is and how unsafe it is are the bigots. They're the ones who are like, you know, they get all this bad attention. Um, And we've seen it before. We've seen transgender women raping or impregnating other inmates in women's prisons. So it's an actual issue. When you think of the small percentage that are in there, that is a prevalent issue of the day. But yet here we are. And, you know, during the rapes, of course, he wasn't identifying as a woman. And then now he is. So there's that too. I mean, 
Yeah. Um, I, they don't look is, too fond on rapists in male prisons. Um, so yeah, it, it would, this would be akin to sentencing a child sex offender Ugh. to serve out their time Ugh. in a daycare. Frankly. In juvie, in juvie, because in they juvie. identify yeah. as, uh, you know, a yeah. teen. Yeah, you're um, right. It's the same thing. And let's take a look at this picture because yeah, scroll down a bit, scroll, scroll down. down. And I'm, <laughs> if you are even remotely queasy about this sort of stuff, as I am, um, so I can relate. Um, is this him before? Yes. I've never seen this one. This is him. <gasps> Not even that long ago. I couldn't open up this particular article, um, but I did read another one. I thought it was only like a few years ago, right? Does he have a face tattoo? He does. He does. He's oh, the real deal. He's the real deal. Um, yeah, he I don't want to say someone looks like a rapist, but that guy looks like a rapist. Um, but there's a he doesn't picture, look like a good guy. Yeah, there's and he doesn't this look is like a good one. woman either. Look this at is this. the one. Okay, John. This was on I think Jonathan Kay's Twitter account. Um, Barbara Kay's son. We love Barbara Kay. Um let's can we just zoom in? And I'm sorry in advance to everybody here. <laughs> I'm just so sorry. Can't believe our job. Let's zoom in. Let's zoom in because uh, for anybody who says, "Well, you know, he he doesn't have any working male parts anymore." No, they look like they're half working in this picture. And I'm, again, I'm I'm just so sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. I I like so many of you don't have the stomach for this stuff, but like he's not even. I, and I just he's not even trying to hide the fact that he is not a transitioned person whatsoever. Right. Yeah. No, it, it's out there plain as day. I mean, we didn't even technically have to zoom in. He does have his nails done. Oh, I great. Will, I will give him that. His nails are done. The makeup's on, but he's still like, yeah, no, this ain't going nowhere. I might be in a woman's prison soon, so I got to save this. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it looks like to me. But it's just, you know, what happened to women's rights? Yeah. You know, and just how strong biological men are. So that is so hard. And then do they room with another woman? How does that work? Um, do they get to room alone? So he, and he's love, going all out though. He is kind of going, he's trying pretty hard. Like, look at that suitcase. This is the part that really irks me. And I say this as like a less than traditionally feminine uh, female who is married with three kids. Um, this idea that these are people who say there's no such thing as a gender binary but their whole ideology enforces yes. a gender binary, right? Exactly. They yeah. say that you can just identify as whatever you want. Don't question it. It's okay. And look, I, I am a firm believer. It's okay to be a tomboy. I think I am still probably one. Um, I'm currently wearing plaid and a t-shirt from Cabela's, right? Like I, I don't wear a ton of makeup. My hair is kind of short, messy, um, but that's fine. That's okay. Uh, women are allowed to look that way. But these people think if you do your nails like pink, and have long hair and you're a woman you're a woman and and talk about things that actual women don't actually care about like that dylan mulvaney mm -hmm. what an insult to women that dude is mm -hmm. um you know talking about you know like I, I got really emotional today and i cried twice so i guess i'm a woman now <laughs> it's actual misogyny that's yeah, what of course it is, it is. It's, it's a mockery of women i will say that you know traditionally the people who claim they are non-binary, they do not do that. They usually don't play that game. You're kind of like, is that a man? Is that a woman? So they work right. really hard at being in right. the middle. Yeah, they get into 
they get yeah. into annie lennox territory where you're like okay i can see it yeah um, exactly but, but yeah. you're you're right Tra- usually most trans women not all are are like what we're looking here on the screen and the voice and everything is just so exaggerated and it's not even it's not you're not even trying to be a woman because that's not how the most women act and this obsession with tampons again i'm so sorry to the viewers but i don't i think it's weird i think it's very weird uh that they fetishize menstruation like i think that's what i see there and mm-hmm. as like i'm a woman i've got two teenage daughters all of this is very off-putting for me i don't like talking about it either <laughs> and so this obsession with these uh trans identified males with our bodily functions i think it is very very creepy i think it's kind of like you know when people get too much plastic surgery they start to get addicted to it and they say that what happens is instead of seeing like their face all together they start to just focus on their nose or whatever i think it's like that like they're trying to be a woman and so they're like what don't i have like what's still missing even though they may look like one dress like one it's like something's still missing so they focus on things like that and i don't know if you've seen um some of the trans women who are claiming they're having menstrual pain have you seen that where yeah. they're like, oh, it's my cycle. And they're on TikTok and they're like, oh, oh, this is so hard. And I'm like, oh, that is, that just irks me so bad. Yeah. Oh, it's like when my husband gained a little bit of weight when I was pregnant. Or when you men know? are sick, when <laughs> yeah. men are sick with the flu. It's yeah. Like- <laughs> it's all psychosomatic. Um, yeah. It's all in their head. Uh, let's move on to the next uh, person in the transanity movement. Um, we've got the BC woman. BC woman. Um, once again, if you wear pink and have long hair, apparently you're a woman now. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Um, and uh, let me just say, kudos to people trying to get healthy. I'm for that. Yes. Um, I, I, I think that actually food addiction is probably one of the worst addictions because you don't need darts to live. You don't need booze to live. You don't need drugs to live. You just get off it. Mm-hmm. But someone to manage a food addiction, um, it's very yeah. difficult because you need to eat. Like you need to eat to stay alive. So you and have it's to, everywhere. It's everywhere. And it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And you have to find a balance and it's very difficult. So getting healthy, um, it's hard work. It's hard work and it's hard to maintain and it's a mindset. So regardless of who you are in the world, I, when I see someone who's trying to get healthy um, and I when I see newbies at the gym, I love it. I love it. I love seeing it. All that is to say, though, that that should still also be a safe place for women and a mm-hmm. comfortable and and I think people should be comfortable at the gym because you're quite vulnerable at the gym, right? Like you're got earphones in, you're working out, uh, you're focused on what you're doing, and so you want to feel safe in those well, places. And this is the women's only section of a gym, right? And that's that's the key point here: is why do women want to go to a women's only section? <laughs> they feel they need that to work out for a variety of different reasons. Maybe they're uncomfortable if men are looking at them. Maybe it's a religious thing. Maybe it's, it's again, they've been hurt in the past by men. So it's women's only. So that's where the issue comes here. Um, Well, and also, you know, like you and I both have young daughters. Um, Mm -hmm. I would be happy to find out that my daughter was going to a women's only gym. She's a minor. So uh, I kind of make, you know, like I feel a little bit better if it's just women at the gym. And I'm not saying that all men are rapists. Like don't, don't even think that I'm going there, but I like my minor girl to be as safe as possible. And so um, if she were going to a women's only gym, I I, I would feel a little bit better about it. Um, 
but right now she goes with a buddy. Um, but let's go. <laughs> oh no, Gym buddy. buddy. Gym buddy. Um, but uh, let's go to this because the person we discussed last week on the show um, has decided now. So mm-hmm. this is um, who are, uh, let's use the name here. Bridget Bri- Klein. Simpson. Is it Bridget or Bur- Brigid? Oh, I'm not I sure. don't know because uh, there's a St. Brigid. Anyways, uh, oh, Brigid, Cl- Br- let's say Bridget. Bridget Klein Simpson informed local media that it, her experience with Body Works Fitness in Parksville left her extremely devastated. Honestly, if you get turned down for a gym, I if you are extremely yeah. devastated, you've got bigger problems than than anything we're talking about here. <laughs> like, it, just go go to the other gym. Like, it shouldn't be a, emotionally ruining to you. But mm-hmm. anyways, this person now has filed a human rights complaint against the gym, and God help this gym owner because I I think he's probably a good guy trying to do the right thing by his existing customers, and he didn't even decline to do business with this person. He no. just said. I think for everybody's comfort, you might be better suited over here. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, but he is going to pay the price. I think this is just one of those things where owners are like, oh, please don't, please don't put me in this situation. And here he is with this situation. And I hope we're not seeing the beginning of another sort of unique situation here where it's kind of like you set yourself up into these different areas. If people don't know what I'm talking about, we have a website called yaneevetrial.com um, where an individual was suing, um, you know, estheticians, particularly immigrant women who were tr- caring for people in their homes, doing their beauty treatments, and he would surprise them <laughs> and then they wouldn't be comfortable and then he would sue them. So, I, I mean, I don't know if that's the case here. I will say that Brigid was according to the story, Brigid was told, you're welcome, you're allowed to go into the women's area, was hugged, said everything was okay, and then went, and then the next time was or was told, no, that can't happen anymore. So perhaps that adds a bit of fuel to the fire, you know, perhaps if it was explained to them him right off the bat, what would happen, it would have been a little bit better. Um, but yeah, and then of course they're going to the woke, um, you know, human rights tribunal out here in BC, where all of a sudden the human rights are probably going to matter. Unlike when you were an autistic boy not able to go into chapters because you can't wear a mask, or um, yeah. or was the Olympic the Olympic um, the Olympian without hands was that BC too? I can't remember, oh, but I'm probably. just saying. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> Our human rights tribunal is horrible and extremely woke. So we'll see what happens. Well, and in a case of biology really doesn't care about your feelings, this poor, this person here mm-hmm. is going to have great difficulty losing yeah. that weight because estrogen given to men usually causes immediate weight gain. Yeah. And so this person's going to struggle and work very, very hard. It's just one of those things, those side effects of transition that they don't tell people about. Yeah, one of the many. One of the, many. the many. If he's taking. Uh, yeah, and who even knows? <laughs> who even knows? Taking I don't estrogen. know. That's not, who knows? Who knows? You don't, yeah. I guess you don't but, have to. Um, I don't envy that Parksville gym owner. That's all I have to say about that. My goodness. That's yeah, keep sad. him in your prayers because uh, he's about to get ripped apart by the trans movement, ripped yeah. apart by the media. They're probably going to financially devastate him because these human rights tribunals, yeah. they pay the fees of mm-hmm. the person who files. But yeah. this poor man, this immigrant business owner, 
um, or at least person of color business owner who believes in women's only spaces, like in another time, he would be celebrated by the left. Right. right? Yeah. He's about to be financially the ultimate ruined. feminist. <laughs> yeah. Because the process is also the punishment here because he's got yeah. to pay his own way through this process to defend his reputation. And at the beginning of it, one of the, his, um, Bridget says when he walked into the gym, they immediately knew he, he was a trans woman. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he was surprised or what, but yeah. We're not blind. Um, no. no. Um, anyway, let's uh, move on to this next one. It's a video, which I'm already dreading. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. So we're all going to be upset together for the first time. A teacher uses a doll to teach gender identity, to teach gender confusion, I'd rather say, to four and five-year-olds. Let's oh just goodness. watch the clip. Really and... Oh, no. Oh, four and five, not four. And... Four, okay. four and five little yes. ones. The little ones infecting them with their adult dysphoria. Anyway, let's watch this. I'm going to oh, be upset. Poor babies. Oh, huckleberries. Today... I wanted to introduce you to a new friend in our class. Well, this Huckleberries is my friend Nash. It's our first day of in our black. class. They're just looking around at all of you, and they're so curious to know who you all are. Today uh, was fun. It was really interesting, though, knowing going in, being like, I don't know what questions kiddos are going to have or what they're going to say. Um, which is both like nervous, racking, but also kind of exciting. It's that place of um, not knowing as a teacher and just being okay with that. And the friend likes to ask the question, are you a boy or a girl? And Nash answers, I'm just a kid. But a kid, but kids can be boys. Or they can be boys. Amen, little buddy. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, his parents are like liberals. Non-binary. Yeah. yeah. That's just something that we know. And <laughs> this is something. <laughs> I mean, it's it. like they're four and five years old, and they just didn't make a big deal out of being a boy or a girl. And I think it was a huge testament to how much we've been talking about it in the classroom that you never mentioned the term non-binary it was yeah, a child who it. brought that up because Bingo. it's constantly in conversation oh my yeah, goodness like because so you brainwashed them like constantly me. in conversation non-binary so they aren't sure if they're oh, a boy they or they so in proper english them, now are you a boy or a girl right now they just feel like saying i'm a kid they're figuring it out. Why does he like, does he like stars? He, he. They like stars. They like stars. Yeah. And they and are really. They wore their star shirt. He said he again. Favorite shirt <laughs> because they were nervous today. They thought they would wear something that makes them feel special. <sighs> My heart. This is like watching a cult indoctrination video. It's um, so bad. Uh, the, oh. uh, let me just warn everybody out there. If you try to do this to one of my kids, mm. um, it mm. won't end mm. well for mm. any of us, frankly. Mm. Mm. <laughs> or Drea, same thing. You've got a little guy. Like my kids are a little bit more resilient because they're older and they're, you know, they're, they're deeply connected with their faith. They're raised in a 
traditional Catholic conservative family. Um, and so that's okay. And they go to a small rural Catholic school. So that's good. And I pop in down at school whenever I want to. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I think down there, everybody kind of knows who I am. So they, yeah, you know, they know it's good for them. Um, but you know what parents interrogate your kids when they come in the door Yeah, because you're sending your little kids off to learn how to do finger painting. And this is what they're getting cult indoctrination, you know, by their own admission, they're saying it's because we are constantly talking about forget ABCs, forget Cheerio arts and, and painting. They are constantly talking about this gender ideology indoctrination this is why I homeschool my little one I have an older one too but she's a leader and somehow by the grace of God uh seems to have come out unscathed through the public school system um but they're constantly talking about these things and then it's not even proper English as well which yeah. also irks me because these are young they're four and five-year-olds you're supposed to be teaching them how to speak properly and you see they keep reverting back to he and yeah, because kids know. I don't know. It bugs me that it's a black doll too. It bugs me that it's a black doll because when you watch like Hollywood and Netflix and all this, I feel like they're always trying to make, um, you know, black people be the trans people too. It's not that it's not out there, but predominantly in the black culture, it's not a big thing, right? It's right. And there's only like in the States, I think there's only 14% black people in Canada is much less. So to be sort of represented as that community so much like we are, you can see it in photos and things like that. I mean, that just rubs me the wrong way. There's so much there that just gets under my skin. But this essentially is a huge social experiment. Yeah. We never taught these types of things to kids. The only thing that teacher said was, you know, I'm just a kid. Yeah, they're just kids too. Leave them alone. They yeah. already know to be inclusive. They already love people. They don't even notice uh, people's skin colors or anything like that when they're that young. So let them be kids. Leave them alone. Well, and when I watch this too, like it's uh, what I get annoyed with is these are other people's kids that you're indoctrinating. Mm. These are yeah. other people's kids. I'm sorry, you sterile childless marms that you chose not to have children because of climate change or, mm -hmm. or because you find the male gaze intimidating or whatever. But if you want to indoctrinate kids with your sets of values, do what I did have three of them. Mm -hmm. Now I've got a, a three person army out there <laughs> propagating my values to the rest of the world, yeah. being leaders, leading by example, showing people, you know what? I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm strong. My mind is strong. And let me tell you why. Um, but instead of doing what I did, what society has done since time immemorial, right? Like you mm -hmm. raised future members of your tribe um, to propagate the tribe right. and, and your culture, mm -hmm. instead of doing that, these people want to claim other people's kids. Mm -hmm. It's they remind me of those birds that steal hatchlings from the nest as their own. That's yeah, what well, it's gross. many of them, many of them can't have their own kids because of the hormones they're on and things like that. Yeah. And like you, you said something there, uh, maybe they think their child is, you know, bad for the carbon footprint. So I, I that just got me thinking, what's gonna happen in a few years? Are they gonna have less kids? And then you have the Sheila's and Drea's kids running around. There's going to be a big shift, isn't yeah. there, if they keep this kind of thing up? So, Oh, yeah, I'm know. playing the long game. 
Uh, yeah. You know, I'm letting that problem sort itself out. If these self-sterilizers <laughs> don't want to have kids, that's fine. I already told my son, he's got to have five. Yeah. I'm going to need lots of, I got to have lots of grandkids because mm -hmm. uh, the other side isn't having any kids. So uh, there's a bit of a, like a financial incentive uh, to the economy mm -hmm. uh, for us to have more kids. But also this might be a problem that sorts itself out if we just play our cards right while well, you and I have kids and then our kids have kids and these people are like, ew, uh, having male children is toxic masculinity. So I'm not going to do that. Okay, and look how fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And look how expensive it is to adopt. It's not cheap too. Right. Many of these people value socialism. You know, they'd be happy mm -hmm. with universal checks and, and not no capitalism and everything like that. So how are they even going to afford to adopt? So it's just, you know, be fruitful, be merry, and maybe things will all turn around in 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> 20 oh, years. you know what? When these ladies are dying alone, being eaten by their cats, um, that's fine. You know, when the cats, their cats are eating their corpses because nobody even cares about them to check on them. Um, I'll be wrestling around with grandkids um, in bushes, uh, teaching them to live off the land. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I'm just, I, I don't like seeing people miserable, but they are going to live miserable, fruitless lives. And uh, I guess everybody makes their own choices and then lives with the consequences. Um, oh, Olivia just dropped a, uh, what looks to be a horrific video in the chat. And oh, again, I haven't watched this yet. We're all going to watch this together and be mortified together um, and scared. Let's do it. Um, I'm already clutching my crucifix. Um, <laughs> uh, she says that there's a video that's circulating today. It's Ian McPhail of the University of Montreal. Why is it always Canada? It is literally always Canada. You know it's that such a uh, joke. It's because we provide money to study these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, likewise with climate change, like, you know, that whole study that said coffee is bad for the, in, for climate change. <laughs> it was the university of Quebec at Chicoutimi. I was like, ah, of course, of course it was. It was. <laughs> of course yeah. it was. Of course. It's always Canada. <laughs> um, anyways, Ian McPhail of the university of Montreal talking about pedophilia. Again, oh, no. I'm already dreading. Oh no. And recent and emerging research on the subject. I think we're walking towards normalization here. Anyways, let's, uh, let's we happen. Yeah. Let's hunker down and watch this. Oh no. The boundary is not arbitrary, meaning it's out there in nature and it's up to, up to sort of in air quotes, find it. So with pedophilia, there are three main, uh, options or possibilities, I should say for latent structure. It's a dimension, which means <laughs> I'll say this, say this for very controversially. That means everybody in the room has some amount of sexual interest in children. That's what a latent dimension nope. is. No, 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 what? Some of us will have very little. Most of us will have very little. Then some people will have quite a bit of the sexual are, attraction. Are you children. kidding me? And uh, there are two main possibilities for a taxonic latent structure. One is dichotomous. So there are two taxa. People are pedophiles or they are not pedophiles, and that's it. There's no variation. And then there's a third okay. option, a trichotomous taxonic latent structure, uh, where there are actually three taxa. And I'm kind of burying the lead that, well, what are these three taxa, if that's, if that's the case? But that's the idea that there are three categories of people in terms of their sexual interest in children. So. I is it? Oh, I have to watch that whole thing. I'm so, I feel like vomiting already. My so, face is burning. 
Okay, so at first he I thought he was saying everybody fits into the first category, but he it is still coming across as normalizing that this is even an option. It's like, no, that's not an option. That everybody's a freaking pedophile. That is the epitome of normalizing something when you're actually even saying that that's possible. And what the heck are pedophiles thinking? Like when they hear these so-called, you know, intellects up there speaking to rooms, uh, they just think, okay, well, yeah, I'm normal. I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm not even going to try to change. Yeah. So vile. So he's saying that researchers think that there are three potentialities for mm-hmm. people to fit in so people who are like no and people who are yes so like on the binary which uh i am reliably informed that these people don't believe that there is a binary so i'm inclined to think that these sort of re- <sighs> woke researchers probably think that people fit into the first category mm. um and the third category i'm not sure is that like a mix of there are some people who are yes and no and some people who are like maybe a little bit, maybe some more. Um, um, he didn't really get around quite to explaining the third category, and I'm not sure it matters because the third category is probably re- quite reflective of the first one. It seems like it would be, yes. Yeah, so the idea that everybody feels this, just some people more than others, and then some people act on it and some people don't, Um I, that's how they view other things like right. sexuality, right? Yes. So, so we're seeing that mm-hmm. all of a sudden being overlaid on uh, child sex abuse. And this is the same thing that they do when they call everybody a Nazi. Then the Nazis are like, yeah. well, I guess we're kind of normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, it, it ends up only being helpful to the Nazis, right? <laughs> when you start calling everything Nazism, um, this is the same thing here. If you are saying that everybody, yeah, has this just in a certain, you know, levels, it, it normalizes pedophilia. It makes them just like everybody else. They're just and on a spectrum, right? They say this is the a spectrum. spectrum. That's that's what I noticed too. Exactly what you're saying is they're using that same language that they do to make sure everything is inclusive. Everything is on a spectrum. Everything is normal to some certain degree when it is absolutely not. And it's, I'm tired of conspiracies coming true. Like this is yeah, another conspiracy where they said they're going to keep adding on to the LGB, the alphabets uh, in order to include MAP. Right. That's what they yeah. say. Um, you know, pe- adults or whatever attracted to minors, minor, it's minor, minor attracted persons. Person. And then they want to normalize that and include it. And you see stuff like this and you can see how it can happen. You can find someone who believes anything. People believe anything. And of course, probably some pedophiles believe everybody's really a pedophile. They're, you know, to yeah. a certain degree. So it's not that you can't find someone who thinks this way. It's why are you, why are you acting like it has more clout than it's not? Like, it's not just completely insane to think that you're acting like it's actually a legitimate thing that, Hey, you know what? Maybe everybody's just a little bit of a pedophile to a certain, and then he's giggling through the talk too, which is also rubbing me the wrong way. And who's in the room? What is this? I have to watch this whole thing. I'm me too. I'm, I'm mortified. I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to suffer through every second of it, but I think it's something that I need to watch mm-hmm. for myself so that um, you got to know your enemy, right? But I think 
we're about to watch uh, a societal-wide Milgram experiment with this thing right I now. Too. I think it's already started. Yeah, like for those people who don't know about the Milgram experiment, um, it was basically designed to test like how did people go along with Nazi Germany? Mm. Yeah, um, and it was you know a, a volunteer who is actually the person being studied doesn't realize that they're the person being studied. They come in and they come into an experiment room, and the person on the other side of the glass is an actor, and he's strapped into what looks like an electric chair. And a guy, so what's happening to him isn't real, but the participant in the study doesn't realize that it's not real. And a guy in a doctor suit comes in and tells you yeah. to ex to electrocute that man. And and, and people do. do. They do. They, they do. don't even ask why. And they, and see they the, keep on doing it. And they see the person is visibly hurt. In fact, there are points at which it goes on to mm -hmm. so that it would appear that the person actually died. And mm -hmm. so few people declined to hit that buzzer and electrocute the yeah. person on the other side. Like it could have been anybody could have been, you know, a, a dad. A, a, they, you weren't told that they were bad people. Right. You weren't told that they were criminals or anything else. It was just a person on mm -hmm. the other side. And the idea was, what would you do if somebody in uh, a position of expertise, what would mm -hmm. you do if they told you to do something? Yeah. And the guy wore a white coat and that was the position that was enough for the people participating in the study to say, oh, well, he's obviously a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. I'll go along. Right. We, we saw this with the COVID doctors over mm -hmm. the last three years. They worked, they were public health officers. Well, that sounds really important and smart. And they told you to narc on your neighbors and stay away from them and treat them like plague viruses. And so many people did. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a huge Milgram experiment. We're about to see that again, because this guy you listen to talk, he's He's an expert. He studies these things. He's giving a lecture. He yeah. obviously knows what he's talking about. So when he starts using language like minor attracted person, and maybe there's a right. spectrum and there's no binary on this, um, I think people are going to go along because they give the air of authority to expertise, as we've seen replicated over and over and over again in the Milgram experiment. And normalization. You see that Completely. man looking around like, are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? And he's looking at people just standing there going, no, this is completely normal. And that's the harm of allowing this these types of things to be normalized. And I know you like true crime. I do too. One of the things that always fascinates me and you know, I'm just shocked is when you'll, you'll have someone who's a serial killer. Okay. But how on earth are they able to find another person in yeah. the world to do the same things with them? Sometimes more than one person that yeah. right there shows that, um, you know, people could be perhaps a good person, have morals, and for some reason, just fall under to under the, um, the yeah. wooing of somebody else who just has perverted and sick, sadistic, intentions and they come in all forms whether it be a doctor or a scientist or what have you or your school teacher so yeah you know we have to suffer through whatever that video is so that we can bring it to the people bring it to the people's attention um so hopefully you guys appreciate that i appreciate being able to work at rebel news so that we are talking about these very important stories yeah there's oh. more of these people than we know amongst us but what keeps them uh, in the shadows is that we know that it's evil and gross. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I think keeping them in the shadows keeps them from doing the harm mm -hmm. that they, that they would love to do. 
And so that's why it's so important not to normalize these things. Um, let's, we have one very huge thing that just broke this morning. Yeah. Um, the CBC, we got an email early this morning. I think it was, maybe it was late last night, but I read it this morning when I got up very early and, uh, CBC is coming to smear rebel news, particularly mm -hmm. Ezra, because Ezra sent a very professional letter to the premier of Alberta regarding the treatment of the locker downers or the locked down by the locker downers and the previous mm -hmm. locker downer government. And uh, hopefully we can go a little bit later because I think we should watch this thing. Some time and, to it, yeah. I'm yeah, good to have a little bit of time. Me too, although I'm supposed to be in a med manager's meeting, but anything to turn up late to that <laughs> is fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> I joke. I love the rest of the... Uh, executive team here at rebel news but um you know those management meetings i feel like i could be doing a lot of journalism <laughs> um anyways um let's watch it because uh i think it's important to understand and then i've got some comments about why cbc is so perplexed about ezra sending this letter anyway do, olivia do you want to roll that trudeau cbc state broadcaster just told me they're coming to smear rebel news uh, this morning, they contacted me telling me they were going to publish an attack on us at 12 noon Alberta time today. They say they have a secret letter written by me to the Premier of Alberta, Danielle Smith, and that they're going to publish a story about that letter at 12 noon. And do I have any explanations for it? Wow. Well, what would you do if a government journalist from Trudeau's CBC State Broadcaster was trying to blackmail you? with a gotcha story. Well, I think you'd probably do the obvious. You would publish the letter yourself first so everyone could see it in full. You'd call the CBC's bluff. So that's what I'm doing. You can see my letter to Danielle Smith right now at a website we've set up called LockdownAmnesty.com. It's a five-page letter that I sent to the Premier's Chief of Staff back in November after I had a chat with her in person. And I want to let you know I am very proud of that letter, and I stand by every word of it, and I want you to read it at LockdownAmnesty.com. Read the whole thing for yourself. It should come as no surprise that the CBC is coming to throw mud at Rebel News and me. They are Justin Trudeau's state broadcaster. They are his attack dogs, and they hate nothing more than Rebel News and the people who support us. They follow Justin Trudeau's lead. Quite frankly, your, I won't call it a media organization, your group of individuals uh, need to take accountability for uh, some of the polarization that we're seeing in this country. And I think Canadians uh, are cluing into the fact that uh, there is a really important decision we take about the kind of country we want to see. And I salute all extraordinary hardworking journalists that put science and facts at the heart of what they do and ask me tough questions every day, uh, but make sure that they are educating and informing Canadians from a broad range of perspectives, which is the last thing that you guys do. The CBC obeys Trudeau and copies him. So they smear us and they attack us. They're part of the parliamentary press gallery that has illegally voted to block our reporters from attending press conferences in Ottawa. That's how gross the CBC is. So the CBC has come for Rebel News now, 
they think this is their moment to hurt us. Now, when I got their letter this morning, I thought for a moment of writing back to the CBC smear merchants directly, but then I thought, why would I do that? Rebel News has far more viewers in Alberta than the CBC does. Why wouldn't I just make this video with their gotcha questions and my answers and send it out myself? At least that way, I know that Trudeau's journalists won't tamper with what I say. Out of fairness, I'll read to you their entire letter to me. They would never give me that fairness. Their letter is from a wicked liar named Megan Grant. But first, let me tell you a little bit about what this, what this is all about and why it's happening. See, when Alberta Premier Danielle Smith was first running for the leadership of the United Conservative Party a few months ago to succeed Jason Kenney, when she launched her campaign, our reporter, Adam Sos, asked her a great question that the CBC would never ask her. We asked if she would call off Jason Kenney's politically motivated lockdown prosecutions. Meanwhile, though, we're still seeing uh, targeted charges against pastors and small business owners. Um, some of these are being dropped, fortunately. Um, others are still clogging up the courts. Are you willing to commit to staying charges and freezing ongoing investigations against those uh, emanating from the lockdown? And how do you plan to restore faith in the courts and in politics? Yes, we, we have to... We, we never should have come down on pastors the way we did. Some Every other jurisdiction, it seems, were able to enforce their measures without putting pastors in jail and has created so much division in our communities. So yes, we should drop, we should drop those. We should also drop charges against small businesses. Part of the reason why we're enjoying the freedoms that we have today and the ability to, to go and watch hockey games is because there were some courageous people who stood up and said, you know what, there's another way to do this. Enough is enough. It took the politicians a little while longer to realize that. But now that they've realized that, I think part of the healing process is to make sure that that some of those that those charges are dropped. The other thing we need to do, though, is, is we need to have a full reckoning about what happened, who made the decisions, why they made the decisions that they did. Great question and a great answer. It became part of her campaign platform. And right then, the CBC resolved that they would do anything in their power to destroy Danielle Smith. But they failed. She is now the premier of Alberta. But the CBC knows they'll get another chance just four months from now in the general election. So they are campaigning against her full tilt. Anyways, it looks like Smith is serious about keeping her promise to call off these very political lockdown prosecutions. Here's Smith confirming her position when our reporter Selena Glass asked her about it in November. During your campaign, you said that not only would you issue an apology to those prosecuted during COVID restrictions, but you would also grant them amnesty. When can we expect those apologies? Um, I can apologize right now. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply sorry for anyone who was inappropriately subjected to um, discrimination as a result of their vaccine status. I'm deeply sorry for any government employee that was fired from their job because of their vaccine status. And I welcome them back if they want to come back. As for the amnesty, I have to get some legal advice on that. Um, and so I've already asked my staff to, um, to, to request that advice so I can see how we would be able to proceed on that. My view has been that these were um, political decisions that were made, and so I think that they can be political decisions to offer a reversal. But I, I do want to get some, some legal advice on that first. Would that also have to do with the timeline for the proposed amnesties? Um, I, I, I would have to see if, you know, if I can, if I can do it, I would have a view at the earliest opportunity. So I'm, I'm hoping within the next, within the next week I'll get that legal advice. 
And at Christmas, I personally sat down for a one-on-one year-end interview with Premier Smith, and, and it was actually the main issue I asked her about. And I'm not going to play you the whole interview. We talked for almost half an hour. You can see that whole interview at LockdownAmnesty.com if you want. We put the video there. But here's just a taste of it. The world has moved on, but Alberta Health and Alberta Justice are still prosecuting. And they haven't had a lot of wins, but they've had a few. Yeah. And it just feels like a hangover from a from a bygone era. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's in sync with the times. Is there a way to to move on? It feels like a vendetta from some prosecutors that really want to punish these guys. That's how now I'm I'm coming from a very strong point of view. Mm-hmm. I support these guys. Yeah. And I know you've got to be you know, you you can't meddle in a judicial process. But boy, it doesn't feel like it's in the public interest. You know, I think we learned a lot about how our justice system works in watching things at the federal level and how the attorney general and the crown have an independence from the the premier's office. The questions that I can ask and have asked and continue to ask is, is it in the public interest? Yeah. And is there a reasonable likelihood of conviction? Yeah. And I think the longer that we go on seeing that prosecutions are not being successful, it makes a stronger case yeah. on both of those fronts that uh, if the conviction isn't likely, we, we know that we have a lot of pressure on our courts. Yeah. And if the public has now come to terms with wanting a different approach, is it in the public interest? It's, it, it'll, it's becoming increasingly hard to answer those two questions. Now, I've, I, I put it to the prosecutors and um, I've asked them to do a review of the cases with those two things in mind. Smith was very careful with her words, wasn't she? She said she wasn't going to interfere with any prosecutions. That's what Justin Trudeau did to save his corrupt friends at SNC-Lavalin. But Smith would follow the rules and just have a look at cases to make sure they were legally appropriate, especially since the province was losing so many of those cases in court. Were they really in the public interest to pursue? Did they really have a chance of conviction? Well, the government journalists at Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster couldn't stand that. And they hunted and hunted for proof that someone did something wrong. They showed a passion for this story that they never showed for Trudeau's interference with the SNC-Lavalin case. And huge scoop, they found the smoking gun. Here's the blockbuster story that Megan, the CBC liar, published last week. Let me let me show it to you on Twitter. New. Alberta Premier's office contacted Crown Prosecution about Coots cases. Sources. Coots is some of the trucker cases. And, and I'm not sure if you can see it, but more than half a million people read that tweet. And if you click on it, it leads to this story that is still up on the CBC website right now. Alberta Premier's office contacted Crown Prosecution about Coots cases. Sources. Now, I'll read just a little bit from the story. A staffer in Alberta Premier Danielle Smith's office sent a series of emails to the Alberta Crown Prosecution Service challenging prosecutors' assessment and direction on cases stemming from the Coots border blockades and protests CBC News has learned. The emails were sent last fall, according to sources whom CBC has agreed not to identify because they fear they could lose their jobs. Wow. That is a bombshell. That's amazing investigative journalism. It's a smoking gun. In fact, it was so devastating, it caused an emergency caucus meeting in Alberta. Smith's MLAs were in open revolt. Except it wasn't true. There were no such emails. 
And the CBC didn't admit until days later that they actually never saw any such emails. They didn't disclose that in their original story because they're not real journalists. They're government journalists. That's a very different thing you have to understand. They work for Trudeau. But because of that false accusation, the Public Service of Alberta, the nonpartisan permanent staff of the government, they had an emergency search of every single email between the Premier's entire staff and the Justice Department. They literally reviewed one million emails. And there wasn't a single one. Not one. Here's a CBC story grudgingly admitting that nearly a week after their smear was first published. You can see this was written by a different CBC reporter. Megan Grant is still lying about things. Her lie is still being published, both the tweet and the story that I showed you. They're still up. All they've done is added this little note to it. They say, editor's note. The original version of the story published January 19th neglected to note that CBC News has not seen the emails in question. Seriously, they, they left that out? <laughs> they, they didn't mention that when they first made the accusation? They, they didn't admit they, they actually hadn't seen any proof. They, they smeared the entire government, not to mention the prosecutors. They tried to cause a caucus revolt, and they actually hadn't seen the emails they claimed existed and that we now know do not exist? How, how is that story even still online? How, how are they still broadcasting then? How is that headline even still there? How is that wicked liar, that fabricator, that hoaxer, that disinformation spreader, that Trudeau, Shill, Megan Grant, how is she even still employed there? Well, because lying to Albertans and lying about Albertans is a key requirement to work for Trudeau CBC. Duh. Remember this other CBC liar lying about the trucker convoy? You know, given Canada's support of Ukraine in this current crisis with Russia, it, I don't know if it's far-fetched to ask, but, but there is concern that Russian actors could be continuing to fuel things uh, as, this, as this protest grows, but perhaps even instigating it from, from the outset. Huh. She actually got a raise and a promotion after that lie because it pleased Justin Trudeau. I bet Megan Grant got an attagirl call from the PMO too. So the CBC just blew up whatever credibility they had left in Alberta. I mean, not that they had any. I mean, they, they really hit rock bottom such a long time ago, but they're still digging. But Megan Grant is now trying in some way to salvage her credibility. So she sent me this letter this morning, and I'm going to read it to you. And you can see it in full at our special website, LockdownAmnesty.com. Here's what the liar Megan Grant said to me. Hi, Ezra. My colleagues and I are working on a story about the premier putting pressure on the justice minister in an effort to get COVID-related charges dropped, especially Arthur Pavlovsky's. We have an email dated October 25 sent from you to the Premier's office following an in-person meeting which took place at the UCP convention days earlier. The email advocates for nonviolent COVID-related charges to be stayed or withdrawn and advises the Premier on how she could make that happen. The email makes the case for why some charges should be dropped and why the Attorney General should intervene. My questions for you are, what prompted you to send that email? What influence do you feel your advocacy has had on these types of cases? Do you wish to add further comment on these matters? We plan to publish at noon. Many thanks, Megan Grant. So now she's trying to imply that in some way Rebel News 
has done something wrong or that I have or that we have somehow counseled the premier to do something wrong. It's a gotcha. And she says, I only have a few hours to reply or she's going to leak my letter. Uh, so I'm going to leak it first at LockdownAmnesty.com. You know, Rebel News and I have been saying the same thing about these lockdown prosecutions in public and in private to anyone who would listen for nearly three years, including at Smith's annual general meeting and in my year-end interview with Smith. You might even know we literally have a billboard at the side of the main highway in Alberta calling on Smith to drop the prosecutions. It's called Lockdown Amnesty. Here's an excerpt from my five-page letter, the one that the CBC thinks is a smoking gun. It is five pages with legal footnotes. There's a lot of legalese in them. Uh, so I, I won't read the whole thing to you, but, but here's part of it. I just want to give you a flavor of this letter. I am only suggesting that the prosecutions, which have been politically motivated, targeting people who only sought to exercise their constitutional freedom of expression and religion, be stayed or discontinued. From my knowledge of the prosecutions, most people charged were either attending a protest or a religious gathering. Usually, the people charged were the low-hanging fruit, the most vocal, or the ones sharing their message on social media. None of the prosecutions that the Democracy Fund or Rebel News supports have any violence or firearms involved. The Premier's action on these prosecutions will promote democratic principles and ensure an appropriate use of our court's limited resources. You've heard me say that a dozen times before, including in my year-end interview with the Premier. The CBC somehow thinks this is a gotcha moment, but it just shows... They only rebreathe their own air and listen to their own point of view. They never listen to any other voices, and they obviously don't watch my show, or they'd know what I said to the premier herself in my year-end interview. Here's another excerpt from my letter. Really, go, go and read the whole thing at LockdownAmnesty.com. I'm very proud of that letter, and I think you might enjoy it. You might, you might learn something from it. I, I think it was a useful letter. Let me read some more. Withdrawing charges, staying proceedings, or declining to prosecute or continue a prosecution, is justified if there is no reasonable likelihood of conviction. This standard varies by the facts of each case. Or if the prosecution does not serve the public interest, the prosecutions that I am aware of do not meet either element of the test, let alone both, so staying the charges is well justified. There are clear legal issues with many of the prosecutions that I am familiar with. Prosecutions under the Public Health Act are likely to fail because, as the Premier likely recalls, the Chief Medical Officer of Health orders were vague, confusing, inconsistent, and did not specifically prohibit certain activities, unquote. Okay, there's a little legalese in there, but I think you can get it. Last excerpt. This is a, I just want to, I'm proud of this letter. I want you to read it. Quote, the Premier can, should she choose to, direct the Attorney General to review and withdraw or discontinue any cases arising from the Chief Medical Officer of Health orders under the Public Health Act criminal charges being prosecuted by the Alberta Crown Prosecution Service, charges under the Critical Infrastructure Defense Act, or any pending charges or applications stemming from alleged breaches of the court's orders to refrain from public gatherings or otherwise. The Premier could request that the review be undertaken with respect to each prosecution held with Alberta Crown Prosecution Service, and cases where there is no reasonable chance of conviction or where prosecution does not serve the public interest, be discontinued immediately. Obviously, the Attorney General would take into account the Premier's view that without more, i.e. violence, proceeding with these prosecutions is not in the public interest, unquote. Look, I've said that in public. I've said that in private. I've said that to the previous government. I've said it to the current government. 
I said it to Danielle Smith in an interview, and I've said it to her in a private conversation, and I've said it to her in an amazing five-page letter that you really should read for yourself. And that's what the CBC can't stand. They can't stand that Premier Danielle Smith would actually listen to another point of view besides Trudeau's point of view or the CBC's point of view. She can't stand, sorry, they can't stand, that Premier Smith actually might care about freedom and think that bullying Christian pastors or, you know, small restaurateurs or other peaceful protesters is not in the public interest. The CBC can't stand that Smith actually talks to me and gave me a great year-end interview, by the way. Look, I have no idea what Smith did or didn't do with the letter I wrote to her. I, I hope it was circulated, frankly. I'm just glad that she's interested in more points of view than the Trudeau shills at the CBC. And that's what the CBC hates. So that's why I'm not actually scared about the CBC leaking my letter, because they might think it's scandalous, but I am actually very proud of it. In fact, I would be grateful if you read it. And in fact, if you are in Albertan, I would encourage you to send a version of that letter to Smith yourself or to your local MLA. And while you're at that special website, LockdownAmnesty.com, take a moment to sign our petition. I just checked, and nearly 25,000 people have signed it so far to call off these prosecutions. Let's see how high we can get that number. If you're like me and you despise the CBC and you're deeply embarrassed for the unethical journalism published by Megan Grant last week, do something positive about it. Sign our petition calling on the Premier to bring in lockdown amnesty. That's what we're calling it. And while you're on that website, feel free to chip in to support our journalism and our advocacy. Megan Grant is bought and paid for by Justin Trudeau, and it shows. When I first read the letter from the CBC demanding comment about this controversial thing that Ezra sent to the premier, which he, as he rightly points out, said a gazillion times in public, including right. a, a billboard alongside Alberta's busiest highway that gets 1.3 million monthly impressions. They think that they've got some kind of scoop that Ezra yeah. was like trying to put uh, the bug in the premier's ear that maybe this is not a good use of uh, prosecutorial resources. And that's another point that is lost in all of this. Alberta's short, 50 crown prosecutors by some estimates. Um, but even mm -hmm. if they were short 20, that means that real victims mm -hmm. of real crimes, real crimes may not get justice because they are going, like the prosecutions of those crimes are going to tick over the constitutional maximum and so they're going to get tossed out while the government is wasting money on pastors who did nothing except preach to people who wanted to be preached to mm -hmm. during the time of COVID. And um, uh, for me, though, as I read that email this morning from CBC, I thought, oh, I, uh, they can't understand what <laughs> they, they think there's some ulterior motive here. They yeah. can't understand why Ezra wrote this letter to the premier saying, can we, do you think there's a way to back off here? It's not, it's not the best idea here. They think there's something in it for him. Right. He doesn't live here. He's in Toronto. None of the Alberta rebels have lockdown tickets. There's, there's no net benefit to Ezra 
if these prosecutions are dropped, it's just the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And CBC can't get it in their head no. <laughs> that there's somebody out there who would do something altruistically with no ulterior motive just because it's the right thing to do. So they think there's some sort of sinister payoff in the background. So we this is a scandal, but we don't know what the scandal is. We'll, we'll go with the controversy and then we'll we'll find the controversy afterwards. Well, and also reeks of desperation here too, oh, because she did covering their totally, totally, totally lie, just mislead the public. They left that up. And even on that editor, editor's note, it it still says we have not seen these emails instead of saying there are no emails. There are no emails. You went yeah. through 1 million of them and you're still acting like they exist. You just haven't looked. So it's poor journalism. So here she is trying to redeem herself. Probably somebody said, oh, look, she communicated with Rebel News. This is out in the open. We know how FOIs work. It's nothing secret when you send an email to the premier that that could be read or being the public. It's not like they found something that, uh, you know, some private conversation from a payphone, if those still exist here. This is a letter. This is what Rebel News stands for. This is not a secret. And I love how we showed the questions before he sent that letter, before he met with the premier, that we've already been on this beat and the billboard. I mean, what on earth are they publishing at noon? It's going to be absolutely ludicrous. But what I think, I think it's going to be great for Rebel News and for people who are looking for the other side of the story, just like what happened when we showed that clip there of Prime Minister Trudeau saying, I will not call you people a news organization and yada, yada, yada. What happened right after he said that? Rebel News was trending. I saw in the comments on that people saying, oh my gosh, who's Rebel News? If you don't like them, I like them. So so all these people who've been watching the CBC and and wanting to pull their eyes out because they think it's really one of the only news sources they can watch. And I've seen people do that in my own family. Some of the older people are still watching, you know, the state-backed media and they're like yelling at the screen because they don't believe what's being said. Now they're going to go, who's Rebel News? What is this? And then they're going to read the letter and go, oh my gosh, this is amazing that yeah. that there is a news outlet uh, that, that Ezra Levant would stand. He's Jewish. Here he is standing for Christians. This is amazing. So I think that this is, in the end, this will be used for good. Well, and just like, think about this again. I go back to the, the mindset of the CBC journalist who thinks there's no possible way that someone would do something out of the goodness of their mm-hmm. heart. Yeah. That, that's why they think there's some sort of scandal here. They think that it's impossible that this man, this Toronto Jew, would mm-hmm. stand for Christian pastors in Alberta. In Alberta. And yeah. that letter was meticulously legally footnoted. Mm-hmm. You know what that means? We incurred legal costs mm-hmm. to write that letter to make sure that it was done properly, that we said, okay, well, these are the, the legal reasons why uh, these charges could and should be dropped. We did everything right. And again, incurring legal fees mm-hmm. to send an advocacy letter to the premier on behalf of many, many people that Ezra has never even met, just because he thinks it's the right thing to do for these charges to be dropped, for these people to get on with their lives. Mm-hmm. And CBC's like, oh, I don't know, something in it for him. We just haven't figured it out yet. And you'll note that um, 
she put Pastor Pelowski in there. So we'll see how they're going to smear him in that as well. But I think people are going to see through it. I think they really are. I think, especially now when so many people are not cloaked under this umbrella of fear of COVID, they can, the fog has lifted. They can see things more rationally. And I'm sure now that they're bringing up again, um, that the CBC is bringing up what happened to these pastors. They're going to go, oh yeah, you know, we we did kind of overreact there. (laughs) You know what I mean? So what is the story? Um, but I love that Ezra said, you know, I'm just going to publish them. I'm proud of this letter. <laughs> you know, here it is. Read it in full. Would you guys share it as well? I think it's really important to share it because, you know, we are, um, of course, uh, our information is suppressed. So you guys are our messenger. So share it, get it out there so people can really see and just scratch their heads and go, what is going on here? Yeah, I I just think it's so funny because our critics say, oh, you know, like you only care about these things for money or clicks or whatever. And this is something that Ezra did in the background Yeah, uh, to try to help. And so it's not not about clicks. It's not about likes. Yes, of course, we're in the news business, but it's about doing the right thing. And we use our Mm -hmm. journalism to try to help people. And, and we do that in a bunch of different ways. And sometimes it happens in ways that we don't always tell you about. Yeah, of course we like to toot our own horn. Um, but sometimes we don't, um, and we just, you know, work away on things to try to make Canada a little bit more free in the background. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. And so we weren't even going to tell people about this until CBC allowed us to toot our own horn. So uh, I guess, you know what? Thanks CBC. Yeah. And I think they're also trying to like do a warning, like see what happens if a premier, you know, does an interview with, with rebel news as well, but hopefully premier Smith does what she's been doing and um, continues to stand and not be wavered or intimidated or bullied by this. But another thing is she didn't even respond to the letter. So (laughs) where's the scoop? Like, what are you trying to say? Uh, Premiers receive letters from so many people all the time. So you don't even have a response after it's been co- all of her emails have been combed through. And this is the best you've got an advocacy letter for religious freedom from Rebel News' Ezra Levant. Our Jewish boss <laughs> Our in Jewish, Toronto, like the, incurring oh. legal costs to advocate for pastors behind the scenes in Alberta. Yeah. Big scandal. You know what? What a scandal. We come out looking pretty virtuous here. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is CBC trying to signal to everybody else, like, don't write the premier letter because we'll do a story on it too. Like, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know what, what they think the point of this is, um, except it's a real sneak peek into their psychology. That's for sure. Well, and how is she getting away with doing this story? Like there's been no, um, <laughs> there's been no like, Hey, you know, stay away with this. You already embarrassed us so much with that first story. Like, is no one combing through what she's combing through and going, Hey, this is a nothing burger. Like, what are you doing? This is basically a promotion for rebel news for anybody who is tired of the tyranny they've been living with for the last two and a half years. Well, and think about like uh, what we do here at rebel news. So we do some like commentary and opinion mm-hmm. for sure. And I'm paid to give my opinion. People might li- not like it all the time, but um, I've got eight years of other opinions that you might agree with. <laughs> so, so go back and pick one of those. Um, and whether or not you agree with me, um, I think that um, I have a right to say things and you have a right to say things. We have an, a right to look at the sort of same facts and come to a different conclusion. Mm-hmm. But um that's one of the reasons why if we are doing 
access to information stories, mm-hmm. we say, don't take our word for it. I say this yeah. repeatedly in my stories. I literally say, don't take my word for it. I'm going to attach the documents as I'm don't doing it. As, as I'm doing an access to information story, I even give the page number. So if you want to take notes, so you can go back and check on the page number mm-hmm. of the things that I'm reading. So you can look at the facts and come to your own conclusions. It might be different than mine. They might be the same as mine, but at least I've given you the documents. I don't know how they got away with publishing a story about emails they had never even yeah. seen. What somebody just that? Somebody just said to them, I have these emails and they said, good <laughs> enough. <laughs> That that is nuts. And again, it's still up. It's not, you know, properly retracted. I I don't know, man. But it, you know, I'm sure she's gonna throw far right in there, right? Because oh. that's like the trigger word. So we'll say, you know, far right news right. organization tries to persuade Premier Smith and, and yeah, Jewish uh, Jewish owned far right. Good, yeah. good, 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 good job, guys. <laughs> no. Uh, I think we've got one chat here and then I will turn up half an hour late to that manager's meeting. Um, it's Beth Swano, uh, seven, five, three gives us five bucks and says anyone who thinks Trudum is working for us is just as delusional as he and the rest of his commie party. Um, I, I are there people who thinks, who think he's working for us? <laughs> I don't know. I think I there's know. the people in a, his corner still like his hair and his socks. Yeah. Those people are never going to change though. Those are, um, I always make the, uh, and I talk about climate change the same way, like people who still believe that taxes change the weather, uh, even though like the doomsday clock of like, we're all going to die has ticked over multiple times. Uh, the people who still are on Trudeau's side after everything, they are the truest believers in a doomsday mm-hmm. cult. Those are the people drinking the Kool-Aid at the mm-hmm. very, very end. Yep. After the other people have said like, oh, this is too far. I got to go. Um, I'm not I'm not into this. I'm not shaving my head. I'm not wearing these weird uniforms. These matching pajamas. Yep. I'm not doing all these cult rituals. Those people leave. Mm-hmm. At the end, it is the truest believers, the most radical that stick yep. around and drink the poison. And those, I think, are the people remaining in Trudeau's camp because none of the other things were a bridge too far. Well, I think we're all cut up. I think so. Well, let us know. You can do more comments as well. Let us know what you think about what you just saw there. CBC's smear plans, smearing plans. And thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to sign Ezra's uh, petition, it's at mm-hmm. lockdownamnesty.com. Send a message to CBC that despite their attempts to smear us for advocating for people uh, living with lockdown infractions, that normal people think that this absolutely has to stop. And they stand with the premier in her efforts to end the lockdown prosecutions um, as she tries to navigate this very complicated legal process of remaining independent or at least allowing the legal system to remain independent but what reallocating resources quite properly i think she's got a big fat balancing act that uh, she's trying to do while dealing with an absolute lying dishonest mainstream media here in alberta they're absolutely the worst and they just keep they keep proving every every like misconception i think i might have about them they keep proving that no sheila you're actually right they are the worst. Well, one last thing i think that sometimes they try to avoid saying our names too because they know it promotes oh, yeah. us so, like, do you feel that too like they'll oh, just for say sure. a far right news outlet because they don't want you to actually find us so yeah yeah. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for this. They don't want you to go look at us and say, actually, 
kind of normal. Don't seem all that far yeah, right. Yeah, like they're kind of funny. They're kind of relatable. <laughs> they're kind of diverse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're for sure more diverse than the CBC newsroom oh, in Edmonton. That That's was proven, sure. wasn't it? Wasn't it yeah, everybody? It was. it was just white males at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Except for that. Yeah. Lady with her red hair color addiction, um, <laughs> Catherine Tate. Anyways, <laughs> before I get into, into trouble, I'll sign off. I'll get into that manager's meeting. I'm coming, guys. Uh, thanks for everybody who tuned in today. Thanks to everybody behind the scenes, including Olivia. Um, thanks, Drea, very much for co-hosting with me today. Thanks, David, for trusting me with the show. Um, thanks to everybody who questions, comments, and pitches in um, through a Rumble Rant or an Odyssey Hyper Chat to keep the lights on here because unlike the uh, absolutely awful lying CBC, we are fiercely independent. And the only way for us to stay that way is through your generous donations. Well, everybody, thanks. And as David Menzies always says, stay sane.